And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year, band of 12 plus 6 here. Fast PP. Top rookie, I'm saying it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum. Fournier. Brown, we off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to Anatonia's The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, Jay is a... Just another quiet Friday in Celtics offseason land. Well, I was going to give you some credit because you always know what you're talking about. You're very well-sourced, well-informed. And we recorded a podcast yesterday, and you suggested the idea of trading Kemba Walker for Al Horford. And you said, it's so obvious that it will never happen. Well... It was obvious enough that it did happen, I guess. It did happen very early this morning, shockingly early for an NBA transaction, but the Celtics are trading Kemba Walker, the number 16 overall pick in this year's draft, and a 2025 second rounder for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second round pick. Jay, what is your initial reaction to this deal? Uh, it was obvious. It was, I mean, the Celtics were obviously going to consider moving Kemba Walker. And if they were going to do that, a trade like the one they struck made a lot of sense. They are, they were able to trim salary about $9 million for next season, which could be very important as they build out the rest of the roster that could help them hold on to Evan Fournier. That could help them hold on to, to the rest of their core pieces. And then I think they were also looking for a way to remake their roster. And and I think that they prioritized putting the the right types of pieces around Tatum and Brown and that they did not think Kemba Walker was that right fit because he's not a great defender. He doesn't have much size. And because his offensive responsibilities were going to continue dwindling as those two guys continue emerging as all-stars and whatever else. So, and then on top of that, Kemba just wasn't able to stay healthy. That became a huge issue this past season that pushed them down the standings, ultimately 
led them to a first round series against the loaded Nets and ultimately led Kemba to miss the final two games of that series. So it was kind of an unfortunate tenure in Boston for Kemba. Like when he was healthy at, at the start of his first season with the team, he was really, really good. And they were really, an really good. Yeah. And, and I think that's probably going to be forgotten because of the frustration of, you know, he wasn't, wasn't totally right in the playoffs that first year and then came back the next year and it was just bumpy all season. But but he was not only really good, but he was also willing to take a step back to Tatum and Brown and not every all-star would have been willing to do that. So I think, you know, props should be given to Kemba for, for trying to get right and for the way he approached everything, but it just didn't work out. Yeah, no, he did his best in his time here, but he also missed 45 games over the last two seasons. And um, it's just like, it's unfortunate for Kemba. He did a good job of deferring to Tatum and Brown, but as soon as Tatum and Brown, or especially Jason Tatum emerges as the primary scorer, having Kemba next to him just didn't make a lot of sense. Like you want to put, if Jason Tatum's your primary, uh, I guess, ball handler and... Um, guy you just, you want size around him and you want like defenders and having a small kind of uh playmaking like Kemba's a score first point guard he's not really like he didn't excel at trying to set other people up and so I think it makes sense we, we all knew going into this offseason there was going to be a Kemba Walker trade I think that no matter what they were going like it wasn't going to be a good like a great deal or even return like they had did have to give up a first round pick to kind of get off that contract but I think for like it's as bad, like as good as I think I was uh, expecting. And there's a reason every single Celtics reporter like like thought this deal might happen, just because it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Al Horford's contract, they're basically saving money just because Horford makes a little bit less uh, than Kemba in each of the next two seasons. And then Horford's contract uh, is only partially guaranteed um next season and so they have an opportunity to get a little bit more flexibility moving forward i think it's a good deal just in terms of one you accomplish your goal of getting kemba walker's contract off your books and i think um surprising al horford is good i think he's gonna oh, of be of course you wore the horford shirt i got my chocolate milk right here baby uh, oh, it's gonna be a ch- chocolate milk parade but i think he's a solid <laughs> player he like was in a terrible situation in Philadelphia. Um, he basically put up pretty solid numbers in OKC before they realized like we're trying to tank because we have a 95 million draft picks, so there's no reason to be good. And I think he's the exact type of floor spacer that the Celtics like when their offense is at its best. They have a pick and pop big that allows them to play five out. Um, I just think it's a solid deal where you're not necessarily tied into like. Horford, I think, will be a solid contributor for them, but you're not, like, tied to him long-term. You might not even, like, you can, given that his contract's only partially guaranteed for the following season, you don't need to commit to Al Horford for uh, two seasons. And so I think he's going to come in, and he's a good fit with uh, Tatum and Brown, and it just allows them to be a little bit more flexible moving forward. Giving up the first-round pick, I, I mean, obviously picks have value, but it's interesting that Brad Stevens has been uh, saddled with a roster of a bunch of mid-round picks, and immediately he's like, I, I don't really value a guy, uh, whoever we would have gotten at 16. So I just, like, they have young guys on the roster that I just don't think, like, adding another mid-range 
talent was going to be necessarily fit with the window of Tatum and Brown. So I think it's a, a very solid deal just in terms of, I think it's the best return they could have gotten for Kemba Walker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the timing of the deal, I thought I was intrigued by that. Just curious about it because Stevens didn't wait to see if any team was going to get desperate. Like, what if the Clippers lose in this round and want to retool the roster? Like, would they have gotten desperate for Kemba Walker? Would there have been another team that would be desperate for a guy like Kemba Walker? And maybe you could have gotten a better price at that point. But Stevens was decisive with this. It was his first major decision as the president of basketball operations. And and he, he brought the team in, in a, a new direction. And I think it's important for the Celtics that Horford will like he's a good player and he's going to be they have a pick and pop big finally they have he's going to alleviate the burden on Tatum and Brown he makes decisions so much easier for everybody because he's just an obvious outlet such a great passer everything like that um and then I think but at the same time like the Celtics had to give up a first round pick to swap a starting point guard for somebody who might be their backup center. And and that's the truth. And so they've kind of painted themselves into this very difficult situation where they're kind of dealing with luxury tax issues, all of that. And Stevens kind of has to make tough decisions and, and might have to continue, you know, but at the same time, this was, I think, a step forward for the Celtics. I think they'll be good next season. And it, it allows Stevens to just fill out the supporting cast with the right types of players so that they don't have to make, make other, you know, um, sacrifices, whether it's Fournier or Smart or anybody else like that. Yeah, it didn't make sense to bring back, I think, Kemba, Fournier, and Smart just with the tax purposes. And so I think that's the main thing this deal accomplishes. It just gives them a little bit of flexibility. Andrew Schlecht, join us. Surprise. I don't even know how that I happened. Su- I surprised Packard <laughs> with this one. Magical. Magical times. What's up, fellas? What's up, Schlecht? We got Schlecht. He's our, he's our thunder guru. The thunder guru. He's not and, only a Thunder Guru. He has to produce all of our podcasts and deal with all of our nonsense. So, <laughs> And this was supposed to be a vacation day for him. Nope. Right. No nope. way. No. I, this will be my fifth podcast I've been on today. So Good Lord. We're, uh, we're rolling today. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a run. Okay. So you need to decide. on a, You need to tell us on a scale of 1 to 10, how washed up is Al Horford? Ooh, good question. I would say six. Ooh, six. six like 10 is 10 the highest washed up? 10, 10 is like washed, like toast. Like he's got <laughs> some stuff left. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how, how, how much of an impact did he have on that Thunder team? How much better were they with him on the court? Where has he lost a step? Let's hear it all. Because I'm not going to lie. I did not watch much Al Horford with the Thunder. You, didn't, you weren't watching he, the Thunder this year? I watched <laughs> Moses Brown put up 20-20. That's the only oh, game Thunder game I watched. We'll have to talk about Moses Brown in a minute. Uh, he's, I mean, he still does all of like the smart basketball player stuff. Like He's a great passer. He sets really good screens. He's always in the right position. He's certainly slower than he was like back whenever the Celtics had him guarding Giannis. Like, I don't know if he can really do that anymore. 
but he's still, you know, he still shot it pretty well. Like he's gonna he's gonna bring like he's gonna gl- help glue the Celtics together, which is something that they lacked in this past season. So I think that he'll help in that regard. Um, but as far as like the higher level defense stuff, I didn't see that quite as much with him this season. Yeah, it's interesting because I do think the Celtics believe that he could potentially play some four in the right matchups, but that would be like like a Giannis, it would be like a Ben Simmons, or maybe you have mm-hmm. him guard Embiid and have sure. Robert Williams guard Ben Simmons. Like it frees you up to do some stuff that they just couldn't do last season or that, that they tried to do last season with Daniel Tice at power forward, and that was never going to work. Like I think mm-hmm. he's better as a power forward than Tice, but that's not saying that much. Uh, at this, He's never played power forward with the Thunder. Like he never yeah. did. Uh, in the or limited time he? that he played. We saw yeah. him play power forward for the Philadelphia 76ers, and it really did not work. He is basically <laughs> yep. a fi- he's a center now, and I think he comes in, and it, um, immediately I think he's the highest-played player on the Celtics, but he should be the backup center at this point. And I think it's interesting. Uh, obviously, he's not going to be like guarding Giannis, although we've seen maybe in the playoffs with Blake Griffin uh, talking about washed up bigs, all you have to kind of do is stand at the free throw line. So I think he's going to bring some continuity um, and just like bring some, like the Celtics defense was awful this year compared to past Brad Stevens teams. And I mean, the fundamentals, I I love fundamental basketball and he's going to be setting screens. I just think it's interesting how uh, it impacts um, Robert Williams because Robert Williams has talked about how much like, uh, Horford has taught him over the years and things like that, but Robert Williams should like he raises the ceilings of the Celtics, and it's like, is this going to make it so Robert Williams gets less playing time? Um, and what's going on there? Where it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm wearing a literal Al Horford is good T-shirt. I'm a big Al Horford fan. I'm <laughs> drinking his favorite chocolate milk, which he sponsors. Wow. Not a, not a specific brand, Al Horford. Uh, he just is a sponsor for all of chocolate milk, but I just don't know. Like we're basically, it's a big trade for a backup center. And then, so at the end of the day, I think it was a necessary move for the Celtics, but I don't know how much of like, uh, an impact, like, I don't think this puts the Celtics, uh, any closer to the top three teams in the East. I don't think this does, but it moves them closer to positioning themselves in a better spot. I would say. I think that it helps. I think the team will be better. I think if that's if your viewpoint is they just dealt for a backup center, I think you'll get more than you think. I think he'll do more than you think. Yeah. So. And, and he gives them a lot of stuff that they need and stuff that they never had last season. Like mm-hmm. They did not have a big who could shoot threes. Yep. They did not have outside of Robert Williams, who was in and out of the lineup too much because of injury issues. Other than that, like they didn't have a playmaking big. And so mm-hmm. Horford gives him a, a lot of that stuff. And beyond that, like, he's just a really good dude, good teammate, mm-hmm. good good force to have in the locker room. Like, it'll be good for Robert Williams to have Al Horford back again. He Robert Williams has not sh- stopped talking about how much Al Horford helped him since Al Horford left the Celtics. So I think yeah. that, that part's good. But, yeah, Horford's probably a backup big. He's... And now the Celtics have work to do to fill out the rest of the roster. It's probably going to be re-sign Fournier, um, look for another ball handler since they have a need for that now, mm-hmm. and look for 
like a flexible, versatile power forward type, somebody like Larry Nance or Kyle Anderson or something like that that could play next to um, Tatum Brown and Marcus Smart. Because now it looks like Marcus Smart will be their point guard and they'll have a chance to build some really, really good defensive lineups. So you, I think you can see like the, the vision beginning to take place. But it's also in like the, this transition phase where the Celtics know like not one move will bring them back to a place where they can contend. Yeah. And Horford is very well rested. Like he'll be he'll be ready to go. <laughs> Extremely well rested. While we have you on, uh, Andrew, talk to us about Moses Brown because only Celtics fans are going crazy because the, all they mm-hmm. saw was him put up that twenty and twenty game. People are saying it's like basically like that's what the seventeen or the sixteen pick was. It's basically a first round draft pick. Is that just a bunch of malarkey? Like because I then I saw another tweet was he was basically just salary filler. Uh, what is Moses Brown? What can he do? Uh, should there be any expectations for him to be good, like contributing member of the Celtics? So unfortunately, I think Celtics fans got pre-scouting report Moses Brown, uh, where like nobody really knew what he could do. And then, I mean, two weeks later, once all the NBA teams knew what was up with him, he did nothing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, that's uh, great. <laughs> So, so what's like, okay, pre pre scouting report, Moses Brown, what, what was he like? I mean, he's just gra- grabbing every rebound and putting everything back in. And once you bump him out of the way, once you know that he like his footwork is bad, you can exploit him on the defensive end. He's not a good defender, uh, but he's he's a fine like third big. Yeah, and he's a young prospect, right? He's a twenty-one-year-old sure. with with possible upside, a lot of size, already a good rebounder in the NBA. So you could you could sell yourself on him maybe becoming something. I don't think he's destined for sure to become something. Um, and I'm, I'm not – like he's at best, what, fourth on the Celtics-centered totem pole right now. They need to yeah. figure out what to do with Tristan Thompson now that they have Robert Williams and Al Horford both ahead of him. I don't think they want to attach an asset to Tristan to move him, but like that's an obvious logjam there that that they've got to figure out and try to probably get wings. But if you look at the Celtics roster now, like if they do keep Fournier, they're just more balanced than they were at the start of last season. Like mm-hmm. they have more versatility. I think you could convince yourself that that Neesmith, he'll probably be a, a part of the rotation. He'll probably deserve minutes. If Romeo Langford does, that's another versatile wing. Tatum, Brown, um, Fournier. So they'll have a lot more versatility. Horford gives him a little bit more versatility if he can play power forward, but I don't really think he can, or at least in yeah. most matchups. Um, but you can see, like, like defensively, they could they could be in a much better position uh, as Neesmith and Langford emerge and, and they switch from Kemba to Smart at point guard. So mm-hmm. this could be a really good defensive team next year. Like they could be, they could go from, what was it? 13th. They finished this year to top five, maybe. Yeah. Top five. Ooh. I mean, I like that optimism. I'm supposed to be the irrational sports fan here. Um, I don't think that's a, that irrational. They've had top five defenses a lot. I mean, it, I guess it depends on the next coach because a lot of that was probably due to Stevens and him being a really yep. good defensive coach. But they have a lot of, like, smart Tatum, Brown. Those guys are all very good defenders. 
and Horford, Robert Williams, like those are that's a nice center duo. So I think they could they could be a really good defensive team. Andrew, before we let you go, um, curious: Do you think Kemba Walker actually plays any minutes for the Thunder, or is he just going to be moved for more? Are they going to rest him all year? Are they going to rest him all year? Uh, I don't know that he'll play for the Thunder. I think they'll try to move him this summer because I think that they have they've valued uh, helping guys get having these like distress assets get better on their team. They've done that over and over and over again. They're going to try to do it if if they can't find a deal. I would say it's more likely that he plays for the Thunder than not, but they will try to move him. So and and a lot of people are like, well, this for sure means they're going to try to get a big in the draft. Probably not. They're going to make decisions off of Kimball Walker. They're not doing that. Yeah, no chance. No chance. They'll try to flip him this summer. It will look really bad for the Celtics if the Thunder are able to flip him for actual value. This mm-hmm. summer, which I think is possible, like, like the Clippers could get desperate. the yep. The Lakers could get desperate. The Knicks could get desperate. Like, there are teams out there that that could have a need for a productive point guard, and so I I think that this could look really bad for the Celtics if the Thunder just immediately flip him for something more valuable than Horford, Moses Brown, um. And a mi- minus one first round draft pick. So, yeah. and and then I, I think it's also possible like Kemba just goes to Oklahoma City, averages twenty five or twenty six points per game, rehabs his value, and it's sort of like the the Chris Paul thing to a lesser extent, where mm-hmm. he just goes over there and lights it up, and they're able to move him for something better. But that was never going to happen in Boston. Like he yeah. he was never going to get to those numbers in Boston. Never going to get those touches and have the chance to, to rehab his value like that with the Celtics. So mm-hmm. it's just a different, different situation. In I think that's City. more likely just because the Celtics had to attach a pick for someone to take on the $75 million of Kemba Walker. If he plays one season and then it's only a one year of like an expiring contract and he showed that he can I don't know, play back to backs, I think it's more likely that he has more value and then, then maybe the Thunder can flip him without having to attach anything uh, to kind of get him off that roster. But he's a still very productive player. And you never knew what was going to happen with the knee uh, pretty much since the bubble last year. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens with him moving forward. Yeah. Are you going to be on a right, sixth podcast today, Schleck? Yes, actually. <laughs> Here in like an hour. This is an incredible <laughs> run. Incredible run. Well, have fun. Thanks for joining, man. All right. Later, fellas. Take care. I really surprised you with the select appearance. You had no clue that was coming. Yeah, normally I'm the one who's on the on the ones and twos and on the controls, and I didn't even know you knew how to do that. So that was uh shocking to me. Um sometimes a kid pulls a pulls a trick out of his sleeve. What do you think the next moves are for the Celtics? Because in my dream world, it's uh trading Tristan Thompson. It feels like they have a log jam at bigs at this point. And um, do you think it's like trading Tristan Thompson? You mentioned they don't want to attach an asset to that because they already had to give up a first round pick, but that's probably what you're going to have to do. I don't know. I can't, I don't know what teams out there are really looking for a, a backup center. Who's doesn't stretch the floor and doesn't really like do anything. And so what, what do you think the next moves are for this team and just in terms of the roster? I've also seen a bunch of people saying it's like, oh, now the Celtics need a point guard. 
which doesn't make any sense to me because it feels like Marcus Smart slides in and is like naturally the starting point guard almost immediately. Yeah, I, I people are calling for for Coley in the chat. We we might have to invite Coley in here. He he was up in the comments, but. What was the question again? I just got. I just what, what's the next roster move? Do they need a point guard? Do they move Tristan Thompson? How do they kind of like take from what they currently have, which yeah. is. I don't think they need a point guard. I think the Celtics are very interested in seeing what their defense can look like with a big guard next to Tatum and Brown. I think. I do think they're going to continue looking for a power forward type. Um, that like, because if you have Smart at point guard, Tatum at shooting guard, and Brown at small forward, if you have a a good defensive power forward next to those guys, like you have a chance to build a really, really, really good defensive lineup. And I think the Celtics are intrigued by that path. Um, I think I think they are like I would not be surprised at all if Smart is their starting point guard next season. I think. They realize that Tatum will sort of be a point guard in his own right because of how much he'll touch the ball and how much of the offense will run through him. Oh, we got Coley. We got Coley in the house. Coley, do you want Marcus Smart as a starting point guard next season? I mean, I always love Marcus and all things. I think it's crazy to think we don't need any additional point guards. I don't know about necessarily a starter. I know there are a lot of people. I don't know where this Damian Lillard stuff came from. That needs to stop. That just has to stop. That's not happening. I don't think people understand. I don't know. Tatum and Lillard go to Tokyo together. They like have a fun two weeks. They become best friends. Who knows what happens? <laughs> is he giving up eight or zero rather? Ooh, uh, I mean, it would probably would... special. I don't know. LeBron couldn't even give up twenty three to AD. I don't think Tatum could <laughs> even at this point give up zero. I think it's too too late. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they bond over that. But um, Cole, I want to thank you for being the unofficial uh, breaking news emergency podcast uh, guest of Anything Is Potable. Uh, do you think like Horford's going to be at all productive uh, for this team? Like, what do you think uh, his addition means uh, for next year? And what do you think it means for like how does that impact Rob Williams? I think I think you guys have been looking at it all wrong. I don't. I, I think we now have a new two bigs, but it's a off the bench two bigs, and you just kind of staple the there. You have two sides of a coin that, or there are two magnets rather that have just been brought together finally. Al Horford, his whole career has been dominated thoroughly by Tristan Thompson. Now they're on the same team. You put them <laughs> out there together. I think you're talking about a perfect basketball player. Are we talking about some sort of Frankenstein monster where they like are both count as the starting center or do they actually have to play power forward and center next to each other? Yeah, I think I think both of them come off the bench together. You start Rob, you start Tatum at the four and then you bring them off the bench together and and whatever happens, happens. It's a bold move. I mean, I think it's as long as they don't go to a too big lineup, like I I just don't want to see Tristan or Al Horford playing power forward at all. And so I do think they need to do some sort of move to address their depth at power forward because Jay's been talking to him for a while. He desperately wants Kyle Anderson. He won't stop talking about Kyle Anderson. <laughs> Tristan Thompson's salary does match with Kyle Anderson, but I don't know why the Grizzlies would do that. But in that situation, they just need some sort of – like we saw last year where it's like, oh, we have three playable centers. Uh, 
we just got to throw him in because we don't have enough wing depth. Uh, it didn't really work out. And so no. I, there's like a logical move to be made to like trade one of those centers, but it's either like give up on Robert Williams now, which I don't think you want to do, but that's like, and if you're going to get like positive assets back, he's the guy who's more likely to be traded than Tristan Thompson, because I don't want to attach a pick just to get off the final year of Tristan Thompson. That's why I, I think like you'd have to, I think someone out there would genuinely want Tristan Thompson. I don't know if you're getting like the best package back for him, but I'd be surprised if he had zero value. I mean, I, I, I'm generally anti Tristan Thompson, so I probably have a less of an opinion of him than, you know, NBA GMs. But I, I, if you could get like, like a solid, just like two for one, like two players back or just like, maybe one of them's a rotation player, one in the end of a bench guy. I just think it like in terms of roster balance, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I think if they did get Kyle Anderson somehow, that almost kind of solves a lot of problems. He was a, a primary ball handler coming out of UCLA. He did a lot of it with the Spurs. I'd be lying if I said I watched a ton of him specifically with the Grizzlies, but I, I've always loved slow-mo. I'll always embrace slow-mo. I don't know how if, if Memphis is looking to trade him. If they are, I'm all in. Uh, I saw a lot of people today, too, really upset that we traded the 16 pick after just years of bashing all the people we take with the 14th pick. Like <laughs> the fuck do you think we were going to do with that pick? Like, I don't give a shit about, I don't know anyone in this draft past like Cade and Suggs. People keep telling me it's a deep draft. I don't believe that for a second, not one second. Oh, it's a deep draft. There's at least like five or it's six guys. 16. That be, yeah. It's five or six. Not, it's, not a, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not 16 deep. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I'm not that. And you can always buy a pick in the twenties. Like that, that's how we got Rondo. Like that's not that hard. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think Horford's cooked. I, I'd rather him shooting those wide open center threes than Tice, regardless of like the clip he was hitting him at last year. Like, I don't know. We can run that. Although it's not Brad's offense really anymore. So I don't know if he's going to be running that like point center out of the high post. Like he was his last in here. I don't know. Like, is has Darvin Ham been asked like if he wanted Al Horford? Like, has did should Brad have gotten a coach he first before he started making personnel decisions? That Al Horford was was on his roster. <laughs> well, that is the other piece of news today. Woj was reporting that uh, Darvin Ham, Ime Udoka, and Chauncey Billups are all getting second interviews with the Celtics. I don't know how Chauncey Billups had time to have a first interview when he's supposed to be coaching uh, the Clippers right now. Who changed the world, man? <laughs> that, that's fair. Uh, but do you guys have any? I guess we, we talked about the coach last time you were on, Coley. Um, any thoughts on like those three names emerging as like kind of guess the front runners for the Celtics coaching vacancy? Uh, I, I think Darvin Ham is easily the funniest just <laughs> yeah. based off of his name. Like, I'm not a good coach scout. I, I was all in on Stackhouse mostly because I know his reputation, like how he's received by players, uh, the generation after him. Uh, Chauncey Billups, uh, real troublesome uh, headlines coming out of him that I don't think anyone knew. It was That was, what, the late 90s? That was real easy to bury stories back then, so... It's not the late 90s anymore. I don't know. I don't know if you can hire. I don't know if Brad Stevens' first hire can be that story. That's not something he wants to deal with. Uh, and Ime Udoka, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I remember him getting drafted. That's too young for me. <laughs> that, yeah, I didn't. How old is he? That's wild. 
He's the one a young guy. Uh, he was born in 1977, so pretty young. I'm not going to be able to do that quick math, but uh, <laughs> the the interesting thing to me is that none of those guys have had coaching experience. Like, so it's it's all going to be basically the Celtics guessing. Can this guy run his own organization? And it will probably come with some growing pains. Wow, that coach, whoever it is steps in and, and learns how to run things. I think, I mean, you hear great things about Chauncey. You hear great things about Udoka. You hear great things about Ham. But it's very different when you're the guy actually on the sidelines than when you're in the seat next to Ty Lue while Ty Lue is, has the final call on, on all decisions. So I'm interested to see that. Um, and then, But I think it's also okay for the Celtics for a guy to have some growing pains. Like, like the Celtics... To me, they're not contenders next season. Like, a very, very few things that they could do this this summer could turn them into like actual contenders next season, unless Jason Tatum just touches God and and becomes like an MVP My- or top three. Yeah, he could. Um, but beyond outside of that, like they're probably not going to actually contend. So you can deal with of uh, some growing pains. Uh, and I think the biggest part of the job is still like connect with Jason Tatum, connect with Jalen Brown, and push those guys to another level somehow. And that's that's what those guys and B- Billups, Billups, Udoka, and Ham like those guys. You hear things about how they all can really connect with players. Um, so maybe three good options, but who knows? Do you think an established coach like would want to come in and then work for Brad Stevens, who is like? has all this coaching uh, kind of like pedigree and things like that? Or do you think it's like more likely that they have, like, I don't know. I just feel like it's an awkward situation. It's like, I don't know. Rick Carlisle is now fought. Like, I don't think the Celtics want any part of him because he's an old white guy, but, but it's just like the idea of. Yeah. I think like, it goes the other way. Working for Brad, like Brad knows all the challenges of being a head coach. Brad's not going to overreact if the team loses a certain amount of games like, as long as you're doing a good job, Brad will recognize that. It's sort of like a- Ainge with coaches. Like, Ainge coached. Ainge knew what the deal was and and kind of never put undue stress on whether it was Doc Rivers or Brad Stevens when, when their teams weren't living up to expectations. Like, Ainge was pretty understanding of all the reasons for that and didn't always put all the pressure on those guys. And I think Brad will kind of be able to relate to the next coach in a similar manner and give, you know, the proper runway for a coach to establish himself and set the team on a new direction. This may be a dumb question, but are are all the assistants gone? That's only Jerome Allen, I think, is officially gone. Right yeah, Jer- Jerome Allen's gone. Um, when Brad took over the coaching job from Rivers, he took he kept some of the guys on staff. I wouldn't be su- too surprised if that happens again um but i think a lot of the assistants are just kind of in a a wait and see mode to to see what their what their next job will be so i'm thinking like if a couple of them stay that's that has to ease the transition it has to yeah absolutely i'm I'm sure that would help i hope evan turner stays i need evan turner to stay it is it is so devastating that evan turner was on the sideline all year and I was not once able to go to a practice or able to go to a game and just let Evan Turner tell stories. It's so sad. 
So I, I need I need him back. Whatever the next coach does, they need to keep Evan Turner on staff. I feel like he was brought in as a Brad guy. Like, I don't know. I feel like that makes sense of him staying, but I don't really, I have no idea what Evan Evan Turner Turner GM next year. Assistant GM. Maybe he can perform as well as Austin Ainge. He's gone, right? Like he's, is the whole Ainge family leaving the organization? Well, I I think the front office is likely to all stay under Brad. I think that was part of the reason that, that Danny wanted a successor in the organization is that he wanted those guys to all be able to stay. And I think the owners will trust all those guys and want them to stay too. So it sounds like everyone's going to stick around and just be under Brad instead of under Danny. Yeah. Brad, Brad only talked about like adding to the front office. He didn't really talk about anyone leaving. Yeah. I I think agents Aaron will still play key roles. Um, It's, it's, kind of a weird situation right like yeah it's weird to me that they did this trade before the coach like you think the coach would want to have some sort of input and I didn't even know you could make trades at this point in the season I thought you had to wait for the playoffs to end like is that the Horford deal was just like the deal for them it's like Brad was ready to pull the trigger Brad's coming making deals I was surprised like just shocked that it happened so quickly like was there such demand for Horford that this doesn't like this deal is not available in two months. It seems just like a, a very quick, uh, quick trade in Brad's early tenure. The only thing I saw was if it was a certain date, I can't remember if it was July 6th or August 6th. If it, ha- if the trade had happened after that, it would have made Kemba's contract bigger by like f- 15% or something like that. Oh, did he have a, like a trade kicker or something? Yeah. And it was in? like $4 million, which means nothing, but, I'm sure a team like the Thunder who aren't paying to win games anytime soon are probably like, yeah, we'll take that smaller Kemba contract if if possible. Yeah, and it allowed the the Celtics to execute the trade without taking on more salary. So th- that was another reason for the timing of the trade. But I I do wonder like if the Celtics could have potentially gotten a better option if they had held on to to Kemba and waited to see if if some team got desperate, like it, there's you always mentioned the Clippers earlier. Like, why would the Clippers want to bring in Kemba when it's the exact same situation of two ball dominant wings who need like more of a playmaker than like because, a first because, point guard? Because when things go wrong and there's no obvious path forward, you can convince yourself on anything, man. Like the Rockets traded Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. Because they they were hoping that a change of scenery could could spark them to new heights. So there's always someone out there willing to do something crazy in hopes of saving an NBA franchise. It rarely works, but there's always a team out there. Um, so I think the Celtics will probably be hoping that the Thunder do not just flip him somewhere else. He, so he's going to trade them to the Knicks for like and get two more draft picks this year is because the Knicks are dumb enough to be like, we made the playoffs. We're like, we got to compete now. Let's go get uh, the Bronx's own point guard. Uh, that's, the, that's the one deal I'm scared of is that just like, it, like if you want to prey on a team being stupid, the Knicks are just right there and now are feeling good about themselves. And like New York, basketball's back, baby. Basketball's back. And Al Horford's back. My mom was so excited to have Al Horford <laughs> back in Boston. She might be the biggest Al Horford fan in, in the whole world. Marcus Smart and Al Horford are just like her 
her two sons that she never had. Are we positive? Because we've been talking a lot about Marcus uh, like taking over. Are we positive about really anyone's role on this team anymore? I feel like trading Kemba before it was legally allowed to happen. I'm I'm convinced you definitely can't make trades in the middle of the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, this is never like that. Never <laughs> happened. I thought we were writing. We wrote a roundtable about Kemba Walker's future. And we wrote it earlier this week, and I told my editor, like, yeah, don't worry. We can run it Monday. Like, there's no fucking <laughs> chance they'll trade him during the second round of the playoffs. And then I woke up today and was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> RIP to the roundtable. How like, pissed were you when you saw that notification, Jay? It's like 9 a.m., and you're like, oh, I immediately got to do, a, like, six hours of work. Yeah, the, the kid was laying in bed. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> great but it's fun though it is it's it's content for us and we brought coley onto the podcast so it brought good things are we like positive marcus is safe like jalen's safe like we're gonna find out quite literally if brad stevens thinks you're good at basketball like for like we know like Smith, romeo like they don't have a ton of trade value right now but they sure weren't getting a lot of playing time when, like, a single he, – he coached them like a college coach would. Like, one fuck up, you're on the bench. Uh, so is that, like, him being hard on them, trying to get them acclimated, or does he really think they stink at basketball and they're out of here? Yeah, I think – I mean, obviously, the Celtics roster, like, they're not done making changes. Right. They, And I think they know, like, they have a lot of work to do. And I think they know that today's trade, even though it – shifted some things around like doesn't put them in any real better position to contend unless they make further changes to the roster um so yeah i don't think i don't think this really changes too much but i do think like if if they hadn't traded kemba and if they hadn't gotten rid of some of that salary there would have been they would have had to do it some way at some point whether by letting fournier go or trading Marcus Smart or dumping Tristan Thompson. And now now I think the door is open to keeping all those guys um, just because you've already trimmed some of the salary and alleviated some of the luxury tax concerns. So I, I think this, this just gives them more flexibility um, to kind of build out the rest of the roster. And I don't think it, it means anybody's future is certain, but I definitely think that that I mean, this, I think it shows like, you it how puts much Stevens in position to do some more wheeling and dealing, but but like wheeling and dealing on his own terms now. <laughs> it shows you how much he values mid-round draft picks because he was about immediately just being like, I don't want another one of these young guys just uh, like taking up minutes. And now we're going to see. Yeah, how I don't, I don't think that's true at all. I think they were pretty upset that they had to lose a first round pick. Oh, someone's got resourcing if he's. No, uh, if I'm, he, just, I'm just saying like you don't just trade a first round pick and think, think it's no valuable. no i think i'm correct and brad hates anyone who's not a top five talent and we're gonna see what he truly because he's the most complimentary guy in the world but if he's immediately just like gets rid of three players like oh this is what brad really feels about this guy and uh, that is funny like because he's, he's not gonna be able to lie about anymore. any player and now we're just gonna get to see who who he moves on from and and what he's what he pays to move on from people so the the era of Brad has begun. What a, what a he didn't waste any time. He really didn't. No. Although 
there's also the question, especially in light of like what's going on in Dallas. Do we have a shadow GM? And ours is a little less out of the shadows, but is this a Zarin move? Like, I don't know what happens in our front office. I don't know who's running anything. I don't think they know. It's been two weeks. <laughs> There's no established organizational flow. Like, they, it's, who, this is wild how this happened. Like, it's very, like, for this move to come this quickly is like Brad was ready to take the reins and be like, I am president of basketball ops god damn it and plant his like that's what i'm imagining it could have just been zarin had this deal set up all along but uh i don't they have any idea how things are going to move forward i i think there's a lot of interesting moves uh to come but this is the first domino like of eight different things where there's still a bunch of decisions to be made of do they resign fournier i think it makes more likely now because they have like less of a tax thing do they extend robert williams do they extend smart who is the coach going to be um I think we can just expect to not know what the hell is going to happen uh, moving forward because Brad Stevens is now an agent of chaos. Is there, and I wonder if not having the 16 pick makes this harder to do, but is there like a Drew Holiday type available where they can just jam terrible first round picks down some team's throat and hope they bite like the bucks did last year because you can't trade consecutive years on the same deal but we can trade next year's in a separate deal correct once the draft happens then we can trade the 2022 pick gotcha um, but i don't know who you who that person would be who's the like that fits with tatum and brown it's like carl anthony towns uh available uh, sure. like can, can you make the, the, the godfather are like bradley beal Carl Anthony Towns as like the next star that that could get disgruntled. Obviously, Lillard kind of put himself in that group of players by kind of voicing a little bit of displeasure in weird Instagram posts. Um, but yeah, so so those would be the guys, and I don't think it's going to be tough for the Celtics to like put a package together if Bradley Beal wants out, unless Bradley Beal is like, I want to go play with the Celtics, which right. is possible. Like we've seen that happen before. We saw that happen with James Harden where there is no way the Nets had the best offer for James Harden. Like it was, you know, who should have traded for James Harden? Levert. The Sixers. Cause that Ben Simmons guy stinks. <laughs> Sorry, I just got an opportunity. That's what I woke up and tweeted when I first woke up this morning. I, I wasn't thinking about Kemba getting traded. I woke up and I said, you know what? It's time we stop giving Sixers fans grief for not drafting Tatum. They never had a shot at Tatum. Ainge just never would have traded back if he thought they were taking Tatum. He would have taken him one. We need to start giving him grief about taking Ben Simmons over Jalen Brown. So Jalen terrible- Brown, the best player in that draft class right now. Yeah, him and Ingram will keep going back and forth for that number one, and both of them are better than Ben Simmons. I'm glad we have settled on Sixers slander because it's been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to them losing tonight and everyone being mad online uh, from Philadelphia. I think they're going to win that series. Embiid, like this is what happens every year with Embiid. He he's airballed two shots. That he's not a fourth quarter in the game. He's, he's not a it's, fourth quarter player. He's not a, a conference finalist. He's never made it out of the second round for a reason. He's he needed exhausted. Jimmy Butler to get them to a game seven. He's just a tired man. He's a very he's, good regular season player, but he's a tired man. That's what he is. He's a tired fellow. Like he just can't. He he 
he they needed to win last in my eyes they needed to win last game and and B came out early and got them that huge lead and he was like all right someone can carry us the rest of the way and they fucking couldn't like that you can't blow those two leads and then win a playoff series i just like i don't it's atlanta sports so i wouldn't nothing out of atlanta sports would shock me in terms of them not being able to close this out but trey like just does not care like he's he's not afraid of anyone on that team not a soul nor should he be i mean right <laughs> I mean, it's, it, and it's also, it's Atlanta sports versus Doc Rivers. Like, Doc Rivers, this is what he does. Doc Rivers goes somewhere and he sucks. Like, that's <laughs> what Doc Rivers does. He's not a good coach. Oh, wild times. Wild times. Yeah, for the, I, the I don't think you're giving Rivers enough credit. At he, sucking? He flipped around the, the 76ers this year. He didn't do anything. <laughs> what did he do? No. Daryl Morey flipped them around. He just yeah, we're not giving Doc that credit. Well, Joel Embiid had an MVP season. Like, what did Doc Rivers do? You you saw their offense in the fourth quarter. You think they would have had a whole year to kind of figure out what to do other than running uh, Curry and Embiid pick and rolls. Like maybe uh, a Tobias Harris play or do something with that. Like Ben Simmons is doing so much less now with Doc Rivers than he did with Brett Brown. I don't know why you're giving Doc credit right now. It's obscene and I won't stand for it. Yeah, Doc, I mean, I – I'll always love the 08 team, even though they're making it harder and harder by the day to love them. Um, <laughs> but I think the more the time goes, it it was Doc and Tibbs. It wasn't a Doc production. It was the Doc and Tibbs show. And when they're not together, they stray. They 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 can't uh, raise the kids in a broken home. Like they need to be together to be their most successful. Doc since that. Since that game six LeBron game where he pulled the starters very early to give them rest for game seven, he, he pulled what Reggie Miller asked asked the <laughs> Nets to do. He literally did that a decade ago. Ever since then, I've looked at him crooked. And then he let Josh Smith beat him single-handedly by shooting threes. I mean, Doc Rivers, this is what he does. He goes somewhere. He has high expectations. He doesn't live up to them. It is what it is. He didn't sign uh, Trace, uh, Tim Duncan when he had the chance. Like, Doc Rivers fucks up more than he succeeds. <laughs> Any retort, Jay? I still don't think he deserves all the all the <laughs> That's fair. I mean, it's a man, one man's opinion. Um, Coley, thank you for uh, joining us as our emergency go-to emergency news correspondent. Uh, if you guys like the show, uh, please subscribe, rate it five stars, uh, and thanks to everyone watching on the YouTube. And I just have one final question for you guys. You guys know that Dunkaroos are back. I've been seeing uh-huh. them everywhere. Are Dunkaroos potable? Anything is potable! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.